Please remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Epistle of First or Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter number five. We'd like to read responsibly the first ten verses of the chapter. Allow me to begin reading in verse number one. Now we read the succeeding odd-numbered verses through verse number nine. Would you read with me, please, beginning in verse number two, along with the succeeding even-numbered verses through verse number ten. Once again, that's Second Corinthians chapter five. And verses 1 through 10, reading responsively. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, being burdened, not for that which we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of, his, of the Spirit." Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether we, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit of God, take your eternal word, we pray, and speak to every heart within the sound of this voice, and we'll thank you for it. Lord, bless our children downstairs as well. Bless the rest of this service. May you be honored and well-pleased, and may we learn and grow and be changed as a result of this message this morning, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. At the Midnight Cry, what a great song. We look forward to tonight, 5 p.m. hour, we'll begin a series of messages on Revelation, the final lap. And uh, even so, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Four, three times in Revelation 22, it's, the Bible asks in the prayer, oh, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. When I heard my feelings, if he came today, and all God's people said, Amen. you didn't sound too convinced, but uh, that's okay. And uh, kind of lead into the message this morning here, our text verse this morning. I always like to pick one theme verse. It's first, Second Thessalonians, or second, let's try that again, Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse number eight, we are confident, and I say, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. A couple of months ago, I, maybe three months ago now, I thought about preaching, and I heard some truths, and I said, man, I got to preach some serious messages on the resurrection chapter, which is 1 Corinthians 15. Lord willing, we'll preach next Sunday morning on 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 22, the promise of everlasting life. Two weeks from now, I plan on preaching on the verses 35 through 49 of the resurrection chapter on the particular resurrected, on our particular resurrected bodies. And then, Lord willing, three weeks from now, we'll preach on 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58, and our path forward in living now. But this morning, 
I take for our text verse, really, the verses found in 1 Corinthians 15, which will not turn there, but let me just quote them to you. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we shall not all die, us Christians. Some are going to be raptured out of here. The Bible says, But we shall all be changed. In Revelation, in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Someone said that's the key verse of every church nursery around America, we shall be changed, after they, all, they don't all sleep, of course, but that, that's supposed to be a joke, but it didn't go over too well. But anyhow, <laughs> Job 19.25, Job said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin, worms destroy this body. Hey, young people, I got news for you. Your body gets ugly when you get older. It takes from somebody that knows the truth. Your skin begins to get destroyed. That's the reason why I wear full body armor when I come to the plat- platform and so forth. I don't want people to see my skin, of course. It's, it's not what it used to be, of course. Not, my baby's skin went away a long time ago. But Job said, yet in my flesh... I shall see God. He said in Job 14, verse 14, Job again, If a man die, shall he live again? It is appointed when a man wants to die. You're going to die, accepting the rapture. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time, you're here for an appointed time, so for such a time as this, will I wait till my change come. Philippians 3.21 reminds us who, that verse 20 of Philippians 3 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like into his glorious body, even as he's able to subdue all things unto himself. And then the verse that we put in the bulletin, in the word from the pastor in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Can't even imagine. For we shall see him as he is. I want to deal with the subject of we shall all be changed this morning. And I've entitled my message this morning as we begin this morning in First or Second Corinthians chapter 5. Our perspective of death. We really need to start in chapter 4 in way of context and just you just glance at chapter 4. I wish we had time, but we don't. I'll have to make short order, order of this. But look at verse 1 of chapter 4 for a moment. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, do you have a ministry, Lord, uh, Lord Jesus, Christian? As we have received mercy, we faint not. And then Paul begins to talk about the, the ministry in general. And then we get to verse number 7 through 18, and he talks about the trials and the afflictions of the ministry. Look at verse 7, just to wave context. To, uh, the, the text may mean something when we get to our, our body of our text. Verse number 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're in a body right now, an earthen vessel, a vessel of clay, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of man. But we are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Let me begin to paraphrase a little bit. Just glance at verse number nine. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and verse number 11, for we, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Verse 12, so then death worketh in you, but life in, life in you, if I could synopsize or just give a synopsis of the passage of Scripture, it's talking about the trials and afflictions of living the Christian life. Sometimes it gets hard to live for God. And sometimes we wonder, sometimes the devil whispers in our ear, is it even worth it? And we get to verse number 17. Paul begins to transition. He says in verse, chapter 4, verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, three score and ten, we're here today and gone tomorrow. Our life's but a vapor. For our light affliction is but for a moment, which worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. The Paul summarized, and there's a sister passage in Romans chapter 8, the middle part of that great chapter, mainly Carter of the Christian faith, chapter 8 of Romans. It says in verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare it with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now we get to chapter 5, our text before text in hand this morning. I want you to notice the first three words. It's again a transition statement. For we know, for we know. Paul says uh, he's reckoning. It's not a, not a, he's not a, this is not a southern uh, verbiage of the word. I reckon, I think, I, I think. No, this is an accounting term. We reckon, I know. He says, for we know that if our earthly Notice what it says, verse number one. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Our earthly house or earthly tabernacle is a, is a tent, it's a temporary dwelling. There was a tent in the wilderness, a tabernacle in the wilderness. We're in an earthly tabernacle, this body is meant to decay. For the record, and I will open it with an illustration this morning here, I admit uh, I never was much of a camper. I didn't like, uh, last time we went camping with our kids, Jessica was like a two-year-old. That was like 25 years ago now. And we went to Bashfish Falls over in Amenia, New York, about an hour from here for you that don't, I mean, I don't know where it's at. And uh, we rented, or rather we borrowed from a church member a tent. And uh, people love to go camping. You know, back in those days, you know, we had, uh, you had to get a lantern. So we went out and bought one of those Coleman lanterns. We had to get kerosene with that thing. So you got to make kerosene. Then you have to have a fire if you're going to have a, a camp, camp out. So we had to buy wood. Then we, we had to buy marshmallows because there's no such thing as camping out without marshmallows and roasting marshmallows. And then, of course, we forgot being rookie campers. We forgot so many things. In the, the, we went to the camp store, which is right next outside the gate of the, the camp camp campgrounds, and there's prices like four times higher than the, the price chopper, and we had to go like four times, we've got, well, we forgot the mustard, and we forgot the, we, I think we had the hot dogs, and we forgot, we forgot so many things, and we, we bought, and then we didn't, this is before the age of cell phones, some 25 years ago, and we didn't check the weather before we went, no joke, and so the clouds were getting bad and so forth, and about 10 o'clock at night, so we finally got, I mean, it took me three hours to set up this tent that I didn't know what I was doing. We got the tent set up and uh, no embellishment, you know, got the fire going, you know, no, I didn't try to, you know, try to start it, you know, I, had a, I got a lighter, I believe, but, 
But uh, everything was a chore. And we got our sleeping bags and on the hard ground and so forth in the tent and so forth. And uh, Kristen and Laura, I think, were like 8 and 10 years old at the time. And Jessica was a baby. And we started our night, a night of fun, camping. And the rain started coming down at 10. We, we, we borrowed a tent. I won't say who we borrowed it from. Some of you know the people, but I'll leave that unnamed. The tent was old. It had that holes in it. And it began to leak. And then the rains came down, and no one belched. It was one of those gully washers from 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. It started beating down. The kids are waking up. Jessica's crying. It was, it was a disaster. About 2 o'clock in the morning, no joke. I said, that's it. We are soaked. We're so, we're, the kids are crying. We're supposed to have fun. This is a vacation. We, got in, we had a minivan, but not a minivan. We had one of those conversion vans in those days. I said, quick, get in the van. We ran, ran in the van. We drove an hour home to Torrington from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock. We got home. We got the 18-dome driver, our old two-bedroom duplex, and we, we rushed in the house about 3 o'clock in the morning in home sweet home. We slept really well. We slept for five hours, got up at about 8 o'clock, and we drove right to the campsite and got all of our soggy, soggy uh, uh, sleeping bags and all the stuff and packed it up and brought it home wet and so forth. That was our night of fun. I'm not a tent, or tent kind of capping guy. I'm a, I'm a homestead studios or a comfort suites or, uh, type of guy. That's what, uh, and the older I get, the more I like the... The, the niceties of uh, nice living. Don't give me a tent, please. I'm sorry if I offended you. You like te- tenting, camping. But Paul says, I'm in an earthly tabernacle. I'm in a tent. This body, it's worn out. It's got holes in it. It's leaking. It's got problems. It's not comfortable from time to time. And I long for a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavenlies. And so I want you to know as we approach this text, 2 Corinthians 5 in the springboard, obviously the first message in this series of mini-series of four messages on uh, we shall all be changed. I want you to know that Paul, when he talked about the ministry, the trials and tribulations of chapter 4, he starts to transition in his mind and he says, but I reckon that the trials of this, the, the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared with the suffer or the joy that shall be hereafter. And he changes gears when we get to chapter number five, verse number one, for we know. And I want you to know that we're all, we all have our version of an earthly tabernacle, an earthly tent that we're living in, i.e. our bodies. And as I glance at some kids here, they've got super bodies right now. Don't worry, kids, it's only going to get worse, I promise you, eventually. <laughs> Tent's going to wear down. I want you to know that when Paul considered the earthly tent compared to the eternal dwelling of God, that the coming change is going to happen, and our coming change changes really everything. I want you to notice first thing that this, this fact that the Bible says we shall all be changed. Christian, I'm talking to you this morning. We're going to have a, this mortal immortality. I want you to notice when we begin to examine the Word of God, we examine, examine chapter number Five now, that we see our coming change changes our view, first of all, of death. Everybody's afraid of dying. I'm not making fun of you at all. In fact, maybe, maybe, maybe masks are a good thing, I guess. I want masks to be worn when I have surgery for sure. I want masks to be worn at certain times and so forth. But notice most of you don't have masks on. Some of you do. That's okay. But I want you to know that 
where people uh, do certain things because they're afraid of dying. They're afraid of getting disease and germs and dying. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Paul, Paul's view of death has changed. Notice what he says in verse number one as we dissect the verse into four parts. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. I want you to notice the first view of death that Paul says, we now know, we should know right now, and we will know a supernatural change. Our change is going to be from God. Our change, you know, we try to change ourselves. I've never been much of an exerciser. You can all tell that. I know that. Once upon a time, I used to exercise when I was young, but those days are long gone. Now I like the couch more than I like the, the, the bicycle for sure. But we try to change. And while well, it's an effort in futility, try to eat right. Nothing wrong with eating right. Try to take the right medicines. Try to, try to change. We try to change our circumstances, our environment, and so forth. And we, we make a feeble attempt. But I want you to know that there's this change that I'm talking about, the change that when we view death as a supernatural change because God's going to change us. In Ecclesiastes 3.14 it says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken away from it. And God doeth it, that men may fear, fear him. Our change, I want you to notice the change. When we shall be changed, it'll be a change from God Almighty. It'll be a supernatural change. But not only a supernatural change, but then I want you to notice the, the, the two words in verse number one. The words were dissolved in the middle of the verse. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved... It's a passive tense. It, it's going to be dissolved. It's just a matter of time. This body's going to be, as Ben Franklin said on his epitaph, here lies food for worms. I was at a, two grave sites in the last uh, two and a half, three weeks, I guess it was. Both were casket burials. And I'm for casket burials, for the record. That's the, another day, another time. But uh, I believe our bodies to be preserved as best as we can. But that embalming fluid doesn't preserve it much. And you open up that casket and... Ten years from now, a hundred years from now, it's going to be a pretty grotesque sight, let's be honest. But I want you to know that, that I want you to know that the body's going to be dissolved and at death there's going to be, Paul said, not only a supernatural change, but a separational change. The mortal's going to be separated from the immortal. The corruptible's going to be separated from incorruption. Paul says that it's going to be separation change from earth to heaven. The Bible says, Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, 6, knowing that his time was near, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. Hey, we're going to leave this earth one way or another. There's going to be a separation. You like it, you got a good life, you got another life to come. You got a bad life, you got another life to come. There's going to be a separation. This is a church, this is a called out assembly. We separated ourselves from the world for an hour or two. We came together on the first day of the week to worship God. And we're, 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 God's called us to be a separated people. There's going to be a separation one day. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, we'll start to talk about it tonight in our message on the final lap in regards to Revelation. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, the Bible reminds us that then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. One day we're going to be caught away. Revelation 4, verse 1, John the Revelator heard the words, Come up hither, 
And the Bible says in Revelation 4, verse 2, and immediately I was in the Spirit. One moment, I think of Joe Coburnett. Uh, some of you remember, of course, uh, Caleb Schnur, our former assistant, last former assistant pastor. His father-in-law, Joe Coburnett, has been in heaven for about four years. 61 years of age, doing just fine. He says, he sat down and his wife said, hey, come over and talk to me. He went to sit down and boom, just like that, he dropped over dead with a massive heart attack. We're here today, gone tomorrow. Our view of death includes a supernatural change, a separational change, but thirdly, a sensational, fantastical change. And the Bible says, Beloved, now where are we, the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear where we shall be, but we know that when he, we shall appear, we shall be like him, for he shall see him as he is. This still anemic illustration, only sports lovers will appreciate this story. Somebody send me a, a picture of me and Bernie Carbo. Bernie Carbo is one of the greatest Red Sox players that ever lived, of course, in two World Series, one with the Red so Red, Cincinnati Reds and one with the Boston Red Sox, of course, hit a home run in the World Series. He's been in the pulpit here three times, of course. I got this picture taken with Bernie Carbo. He's got, my, he's got his arm around my, we're, 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 we've got our arms around each other's shoulders. I got a smile like you thought I was with the, with the, the king of, uh, uh, the king of uh, Ethiopia or something. I was with somebody fa famous and fancy. And I, I had a glow upon my face. I, I told Sonny, he says, that's a good picture of me. It was several years ago. And so I was with somebody. I always wanted to be like Bernie when I was a kid. You know, I wanted to be a great ball player. Didn't, so it didn't happen so much. But one day, a fantastical change is going to happen. I'm going to be like my Savior. A transformational change. The word is Revelation, Romans 12. Let me do this quickly. Be not conformed. The word is the word for, but be transformed. The word is transformed is in the Greek language. is the word metamorphosis. We get our word metamorphosis from. You look at a pathetic looking black, dark gray, brown, whatever color it is, cocoon. Disgusting. That cocoon, it's dead, it dies, but there's German life in there. And that cocoon breaks forth in the most beautiful butterfly in the whole world. Monarch butterfly comes forth. Or, uh, it's, it's transformation. It's a sensational, it's a fantastical change, but not only a supernatural change at death, Paul said, a separational change from earth to heaven, from corruption to incorruption, from mortal to immortality, a sensational change, a fantastical change, more than we can possibly imagine. But then letter D, a situational change. Our situation's going to change forever. No, right now we deal with taxes. Right now we deal with sin, corruption. We deal with burying, the body, uh, burying in our body the marks of the Lord Jesus. We, we have sufferings like our Savior not to be worthy to be compared to. But there's going to be a situational change. I want you to turn five pages in your Bible. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 15. We'll spend three weeks there, Lord willing, in the next three messages. But 1 Corinthians 15, notice verse number 51. We just mentioned it. We shall all be changed. The latter part of the verse, let me for time's sake kind of paraphrase. Verse 52, we'll change in a moment. The corruption will put on incorruption, will be raised incorruptible rather. Uh, verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
Then when this corruptible shall have put on corruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Right now we live with death. Everybody in this room is going to have a preacher or somebody, or maybe you're not going to have a eulogy at your funeral, but everybody in this room, is, barring the rapture, is going to go away by way of death. It's pointed at a man who wants to die. That should scare some people, but to Paul, Paul's, Paul looked forward to that situational change where the mortal will put on immortality. And so our coming changes, or change changes, number one this morning here, our view of death, but number two, it, changes our, it should change our desires. Verses two to five, just quickly. Notice what it says in verse number two. Back in chapter five, of course. It says, for in this we groan earnestly, our groaning, our desire. What, what, what do you groan about? I confess, I groan about $3 gas prices. Nine months ago, they were two, under $2. I groan about the price of uh, groceries at the grocery store. Uh, have you seen something called inflation's been happening? Big time. We've grown about, we're building our steps, hopefully. We get back steps, porches that we're building. We're going to get back in the building business on Tuesday is the plan. And we spent $4,700 for just the wood just to build the two steps in the back, port, the two porches. Lumber's gone 300% through the roof. Uh, ammunition. Uh, ammunition, lumber, gas prices. All, all, somebody said it's becoming expensive to be, be a redneck. That was supposed to be a joke. I'm waiting for a laugh. <laughs> Paul groaned. He desired a lot of things. So, you know, I groaned all for $1.80 gas prices again. All for wood to be cheap. All for, you know, steak, ribeye steak to be $6 a pound again. No. We groaned for the wrong things. He groaned, desiring, verse number two, to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. I want you to notice that Paul groaned or he desired, first of all, three things, letter A on our worksheet. He desired to change residences. He uses the metaphor of being clothed. Right now we're clothed with our earthly tabernacle or earthly tent. But one day we'll be clothed with a heavenly, uh, in a heavenly home, not made with hands, eternal in the heavenlies. A change of residences. We spend so much of our lives, we spend trillions of dollars in America every year to stay alive. Everything we can do to stay alive. And God says, I got a better home for you. One of the best healings that God has for us, and only God can do this, is the healing of death. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We look at it as, oh no, we lost everything. He lost everything. She lost everything. God says, no, I have another residence for you. Our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven. So we change residence. Verse number three, let me begin to hurry a little bit. If if so be that we be clothed, we shall not be found naked. We can, you know, we're trying to be clothed down here on earth. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. I have a 403B. Some of you have 401Ks. I have a 403B, being a nonprofit organization. Thank you very much, by the way. 
And uh, I never paid into Social Security, so my retirement is vested in my human retirement. My earthly retirement is vested in my 403B. And I'm hoping that it doesn't get taxed to death. I'm hoping that uh, I, there's money left when, 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 if that day ever comes through, I have to go out to pasture and retire. But we're putting our, Paul said, I groan, I desire to have an inheritance incorruptible, then fadeth not away. Some lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves do break through and steal, but some lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt nor thieves do break through and steal. And so Paul groaned, he had a desire to have his residence changed. Verse two, to have an inheritance. Verse number three, that fadeth not away. Verse number four, notice thirdly, Paul desired, let me read the verse to give you the point. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan in this earthly body, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be, here's the key phrase, swallowed up of life. Paul groaned to, 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 be really, to really begin to live. You think we're living now? Well, it's, just, it's not worthy to compare, be compared. Earthly living is no comparison to what's going to be the life hereafter. We, we haven't even begun to live. If I could pick on the young people one more time. When you're young, you're, you're nearly invincible, or you think you're invincible, or you, you, you just take it for granted that you can always do so many things and so forth, and that life can't get any better than when you're, whatever, a teenager, or young 20-something or 30-something maybe. I'm way past all those ages for sure. And you say, oh, it's only going to get better. It doesn't get better. And we do everything to hang on. And uh, I have challenges now that I never had before as I'm getting older here, of course. And I didn't even know about these challenges to speak of. I thought, oh, that just happens to old people. Now I am one of those old people. God says there's a life that's worth living that's really we haven't even begun to live yet. And so Paul says when he considered the ministry and the trials and sufferings thereof in chapter 4, he comes to chapter number 5 and he realizes as he's changing his views on things, he changed his view on death, knowing there's a supernatural change that's going to take place, separational change, sensational, situational change. He changed his view on de- of, of his desires, a change of residence to have an inheritance and to really begin to live. But then verses 6 and 7, look at them quickly with me, please. Therefore, again, a transition of sorts, are we always confident, always confident, Knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Notice our thirdly, Paul, our coming change changes our dependence upon the Lord. What are we depending on? Again, our, what are we, we're depending on our health care plan. We're depending on our doctor. We're depending on uh, our body to hold up, our, our, our regimen plan, our exercise plan. What are we, our 401k? What are we depending on? Paul said, verse number six again, uh, we're at home in the body, but we are absent from the Lord. We're chained to this body, this body of sin. And he's, he talked about walking with a God confidence, not a self-confidence. In other words, in Philippians 3.3, 3, we'll better summarize the, the thought. 
For we are of the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. There's many people that are not in the houses of God all over America to this morning because one reason is they have confidence in the flesh. I don't need church. I don't need God. I can do it all by myself. Paul, when he realized that his earthly tabernacle was going to be dissolved, he said, no, my confidence is not of man, not of my flesh, but of God. And then verse number seven, notice with me, it says, for we walk by faith and not by, or not by sight. We look, our dependence upon the Lord includes we look with spiritual eyes, not with physical eyes. I've already read verse 18 of the previous chapter. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are, are seen are not seen are eternal. We look with uh, spiritual eyes. This is a little off subject, but it is so fascinating to me. I saw a beautiful sight yesterday. I'm looking at the railing right now through that window right there. There's a railing that keeps you from falling 15 feet down to the lower level there. And that white railing had a, has right now, probably go out and look at it after the service, had several f- spider webs. I just, it just caught my eye. This spider web, I said, man, look at that thing. The geom, geom, ge, ge, what's that word, geometry. I wanted to get ge, ge, geometric, what's the word I want? Shape, uh, design. I couldn't draw a spider web that good if I tried. It was beautiful. That spider weaved that web in the middle of the night with rain falling down probably. And I looked at that and he said, Preacher, what does this got to do anything? I looked at this and said, there's got to be a God in heaven. Look at that spider web. Amazing, the design, the intricate design of God Almighty. And you say, what's the point? The point is, with spiritual eyes, I saw God. People look at that without God in their heart and like they should, and they, they just look like, oh, that's a nasty spider web. That's, that's, that's uh, they won't even think anything of it. I, I saw glory, glory of God in it. I see God in, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. I see God out there in the sunshine, the beautiful day that, that we're uh, ready to partake of here in a few minutes here. But our dependence is upon the Lord. Paul said, I don't look with physical eyes. I look with spiritual eyes. I see it far off, and it's not that far off. Then verses 6 and 8, two, a key word in verses 6 and 8. We already looked at verse 6, but just we'll glance at it one more time. Therefore, we are always confident. Again, in verse number 8, we are confident. Notice that Paul says in this word confidence is the idea of joy, is satisfaction, is contentment, is uh, no-so, is uh, assurity. Paul's, our coming change changes our view of death. It changes our, should change our desires. should change our dependence upon the Lord and not on ourselves. Fourthly, our coming change obviously should change uh, our things in which we delight. Paul said in, back in verse number six, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Our body, we're, we're, we're the temple of the Lord. We, have a, we get to do, while we are in this three score and ten, this thing, this, this short blip of time called earthly life, Christian, we get to do a job unbelievable. We get to be the hands that Jesus can't be or won't be. We get to be the feet that he won't be. Someone has said, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. 
Your eyes are the your your yours are the eyes which we look at, which he looks compassionate on in this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You, you are his body. Christ has no body on earth but yours. Bible says, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ. Colossians 1.27 says, to whom God hath made known unto us what is the riches of his glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right now, we have a job unbelievable. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Think about that. To be, we have some people in our church, uh, we had some people that have a relative that are associated and involved with the FBI, or maybe the CIA or Central Intelligence Agency or what have you. They're pr proud to be a part of this great organization, supposedly. We are a part of the organization of God Almighty. We are his ambassadors, the ambassador of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Paul said, I delight in the fact that I have a, for, for to me to live is Christ. And when that's over, to die is gain. And so we not only do we have an unbelievable uh, job, unbelievable, but we have, a, we have a joy unspeakable, verse number eight. I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. A joy unspeakable. First Peter 1.8 says, While whom having not seen ye love, in whom though, ye, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you cannot know the joy that salvation brings in Jesus Christ. You cannot know the comfort of having the Holy Spirit of God in your heart and life to let this abide with you forever. I hath not seen, nor ear hath heard, nor hath entered in the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. So our coming change changes our view of death, Paul said. It changes our desires, changes our dependence upon the Lord. It changes our things in which we delight. But fifthly, verses 9 and 10 let me read verse number nine. At least, let me start it at least. It says, Wherefore we labor. Wherefore we labor. Fifthly, our coming change changes our purpose of our duty. Our purpose of our duty. That word labor involves work. Wherefore we labor that whether we present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Three things about our duty. First of all, there's the focus. Jesus, while he was on earth, went to the tabernacle and he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. The night cometh when no man can work. We sing the song, work for the night is coming. Where God's, this is not time to be neutral in our life. Not time to lay back and say, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. The midnight cry is going to happen. We just heard a song sung. I'm thinking of it, if you think of it, boy, I'd like to have you sing that tonight. That would be a great song to sing for tonight, the message tonight. But the midnight cry. We'll work till Jesus comes. The focus of our duty, knowing that the change is coming, ought to drive us to work for, to, until that midnight hour, until the, the clock strikes 12, until Jesus calls us home to be with him. So we see the focus of work, but verse number 10, for we must all... Now, in the context, just for the record, the we there is only talking to Christians. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you will not be here. 
You will not be at this judgment seat of Christ. You'll be at the great right throne judgment in Revelation 20. We'll maybe touch on it tonight in the message for the soundbite tonight where all the lost will be come before God. But the saved, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Notice not only our perspective, our duty, the focus, the work, but the fact, the fact is that we will we'll come to this judgment seat and it will be worth it. I stole from Brother Summerdorf. I didn't even hear the message, but I love the, the soundbite of the, the title of the message he preached a few weeks ago when he was with us. The final lap. Folks, we're in the final lap. I'm telling you right now. It's, our salvation is nearer than ever before. Where the judgment seat is coming, and we're in the final lap, and it'll be worth it all. And then letter B, it says, or rather verse number 10, last part of the verse, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Just a sound by, we will not be judged for our war, according to our sins are buried in the depths of the deepest sea. But there'll be exemption. There'll be those that'll have rewards to be able to cast at Jesus' feet and those that'll be saved, Christians that'll be saved, yet so as by fire. As by fire. So Paul said, our coming change changes our view of death, our desires, our dependence, our delight, our perspectives, uh, perspective of our duty. I want you to know, I want to ask in, in closing, and I'll give you the takeaway here in a moment. But the song says, what are, you, what are you homesick for? The song says, I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never been before. No sad goodbyes will there be spoken, for time won't matter anymore. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. And someday I'll, on thee I'll stand. There my home shall be eternal. Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. I, it's an anemic illustration, but it's the best I can come up with. I, ten years ago, we got to go to Hawaii. Never had a desire to go to Hawaii. I don't know what was wrong with me, but I never had a desire to go to Hawaii. But my kids were stationed there in the Navy. I've told the story many times. We got on a plane in January in Newark Airport. We drove, had a nine and a half hour flight to Honolulu. You that have been to Hawaii already know what I'm talking about. I left with a cold. The plane landed, and they don't pull you up to the gate in Honolulu. They, they pulled the stairs. And the moment that door opened, and I, I saw the sunshine, and saw the, smelled the air, and felt the breeze, a revelation occurred in my life. And I realized, and I think the first word was, oh, now I understand. And for 10 days, we were in earthly paradise. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Weather's perfect. Water's 80 degrees. It's a nice place to be. I understand why people like paradise, as they call it. But I want you to know when Paul, his body was getting old and feeble and worn out and his tabernacle was about ready to be full of holes, he said, we have a building not made with hands eternal in the heavenlies. See, Paul's coming change, knowing of his coming change, Here's the takeaway. Because Paul knew about his coming change, it changed everything. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If there's ever a time, Christian, to be serving the Lord more than ever before, it's now. We've got to work for the night is coming when no man can work. We, the focus to work, the fact is it will be worth it. 
and the finish is in the end we win. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, help us to have a right perspective about death. It's the beginning. It's supernatural. It's sensational. It's, Lord, it's, uh, it's situational. It's separational. We look forward to that, dear God. I pray, Lord, that you change our desires. Our desires would be like yours. Lord, our desires would be in our, our obligation to duty. Work of the night is coming when no man can work. Blessed we pray in this moment of invitation, Lord. May we sing the song. It will be worth it all, Lord, not only with our lips, but with our heart as well. And we'll thank you for it. Pray these things and pray you blessed in our moments of invitation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Page number two in the hymn book. Page two it is. And let's sing page number two as we stand together.